I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. From Postcard from the Past and Wardour Studios, this is Podcast from the Past, the Postcard Podcast. This is a place where we sit on clifftops in red jumpers and stare out across a glassy sea with a forget-me-not blue sky above us and only enormous good luck cats to shatter our dreams as we consider picture postcards and explore what it is that causes us to keep hold of these small, ephemeral rectangles. Each time I welcome two guests, and it's their postcards that act as clues to direct us towards memories, mysteries and stories. I'm Tom Jackson, and I'm delighted to say that today my guests are Cathy Rensenbrink and Toby Hannum. Toby and Cathy, welcome to Podcasts from the Past. It's a pleasure to be Thank here. You. Welcome. Now, um, until recently, Toby Hannum was a primary school teacher in Bristol, uh, a job he had for over 20 years. Before that, he worked in theatre and film. And I came across Toby while I was listening to a radio phone-in programme. And Toby called in with an impassioned contribution about the state of the nation and refugees and the EU. Um, and in passing, mentioned that he had a series of postcards sent from occupied Czechoslovakia uh, by his grandfather at the start of and, and into the Second World War. So, naturally, I wanted to invite him onto this podcast to tell us more. Um, we're going to hear from Toby about those cards shortly. But before that, Toby, you you join us today with a BS8 postmark on you. Is that right? That's right. I'm in Bristol, um, and BS8 covers sort of Clifton and Clifton Wood and Hot Wells, north of the river, um, and the uh, the floating harbour. Very nice. That sounds to me, if, you, if you're prepared to have that on you as your postmark, then it's a place that you, you like being. Absolutely. I I'm, I'm, was born in Bristol. My parents uh, lived in Clifton when nobody else wanted to live in the big old houses because very they were nice. basically falling down full of students. And uh, I was very lucky that when I started to feel like settling down myself and my wife, we managed to sort of come back to here after spending time in Leeds and then York. And uh, it's somewhere I feel very, very connected, I suspect partly through my family history and that my parents, both through choice and through war, constantly moved around. And right. to have somewhere that you felt was your home and felt secure in, I think, is something that's very strong and very much part of who I am. 
Uh, maybe to my detriment, maybe it makes me not want to move around more than I should do. But I think it exasperates others in my family. But I think that there is an element of it that does come from that sort of historical con- uh, context. Right. Now, Toby, here's a very tough question for you. Do you still send postcards? I have sent postcards, but I sent them um, not We've all, We all have sent postcards, Toby. <laughs> most recently, the most recent ones I've sent to, to a couple of times to sort of other members of my family, but they've usually been inside envelopes. It's almost because they, oh, okay. it feels like that they've become that sort of exposure almost. It feels right. like it's it's too much, and so you sort of hide it inside an envelope. What are you writing on them then? That way. Oh, nothing, nothing explicit. It's more just a case of... Uh, um, I guess it's just that privacy, I guess, that you yes. just sort of feel like, I, I don't want anyone looking at this. And, and so therefore you send it as sort of, you know, inside an envelope and it becomes more like a sort of a letter with a picture on rather than a postcard. Well, this, this I mean, this was this was one of the anxieties about postcards from the very beginning, really. There was that there was a worry that too many people would be able to see your message. It wouldn't be uh, there was something indiscreet and a bit uh, a bit vulgar about letting everyone see what you were writing. Yes, I know. And also sometimes the other thing is I've sent we sent sort of uh, just the image because that was what interested me, and 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 therefore they weren't written on, and it almost felt it's a somehow sort of here. Um, it just just felt wrong to send a blank postcard with no message on because you like the image, not because you actually wanted to send a specific message. And my father used to do this. I constantly get postcards from him, and he would just send me postcards with nothing written on them. I knew they were from him, but they would just sort of nice. turn up and. Uh, you know, and 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 the image itself was the the message. Yes, um, yes. Quite often, sort of artist cards and you know those sort of things. And, and well, so, it certainly yes, gets so you off they, the problem of having to choose what to write as well. It's, um, it's yes, quite a good plan. Yes, I, think. I mean it's, it's usually you know had a ham sandwich, but you know it's it's it's, it's, it's it sort of leaves leaves more to the imagination rather than actually sort of writing your own ideas down. Very good, very good. Now you probably know. Uh, Kathy Rensenbrink, best from her brilliant, hugely acclaimed and very raw and moving memoir, The Last Act of Love, uh, about the life and death of her brother. Um, but you may also know her other non-fiction, A Manual for Heartache, Dear Reader. Uh, but just a few weeks ago, I think, at the time I'm speaking now, perhaps not the time you're listening, Kathy has switched tracks. She's... Um, Across the beams, whatever it is, she's changed changed direction in that she now has a novel out. So she's working in fiction. The novel is Everyone is Still Alive. Um, that's on the bookshops and virtual bookshops shelves now. Story of life in Magnolia Road, um, an ordinary street, um, where the secrets that are revealed are not, are not necessarily hugely dramatic. Um, but they tell us something about grief and marriage and parenting and domesticity and, in fact, the issues of being a writer and writing about the people around you. Now, Cathy comes to us today with a, I think I can make it out, a DN14 postmark. What's that? That's right. That's DN for Doncaster. And this is, um, I grew up in Yorkshire. And I do feel it's the place that has, uh, you know, left its indelible mark on me, even though I've got no um, no family connection to it. We ended up there completely by chance, really, because my... Um, my Irish dad married my Cornish mother. He was in the Merchant Navy at the time, settled down in Cornwall as a tin miner. But then the tin mines closed down in the late 70s. And he went, there, he went where there was work. So he went to Selby Coalfield. And that's right. how we ended up in Yorkshire. And that's how I ended up living there, probably from five till, say, kind of 21, 22. Um, 
And I feel it's the, again, not necessarily I'd almost choose it, but I definitely feel it's the place that is, you know, as Mary Tudor said, Calais would be engraved <laughs> on her heart. You'd have Doncaster. I do feel that, yeah, I do feel that the, the Bell and Crown Inn, where I where where we lived, uh, is, is, is etched onto me. Yeah, and Doncaster. Doncaster, we're not that close to Doncaster, but Doncaster is the train station that I'd go to if I right. was, when I was living in London and going home, I'd go to Doncaster. Um, so I've spent a lot of time on Donny train station. I remember once my parents were picking me up and there'd just been a, Doncaster had just made the national news very rarely for apparently being the casual sex capital of the UK. I'm sorry, could you say that again, please? (laughs) It still gives me the giggles. Doncaster was the casual sex capital of the UK. These tourist Uh, boards will try anything. Yeah, this is very possibly like 20 years ago or something. So from then on, we had a great, you know, and it was a really, it was a dark and difficult time. You know, my brother was coming to the end of his life. It was a horrible time. But one of our jokes was around this, like, I'll pick you up at Donny. Yes, I'll try not to have sex before you get there. <laughs> at least not too casually. <laughs> yes, so it kind of became one of, our, became one of our laughs. I did, I mean, I really liked Donny, actually. I found it a really nice town, and I did go there when my first book came out. I went to do a event there in the Waterstones in the, in the shopping centre, and it was really, really emotional because there were lots of people there I hadn't seen, again, for a couple of decades. So, Oh, gosh, um, and you were a new person by then, or a different person, I'm sure. Yes. So there's that odd tension, isn't there, when you go back to a familiar place, the, the way it exercises a hold on you, kind of, or not. So, yeah, so for me, and the town where the pub is, Snaith, that's the, yes. that's the place where I feel, um, I dream about it quite a lot, you know, and I kind yeah. of, um, yeah, it was a, at one point it was a market town. I like, the streets are called things like Butter Market and Beast Fair. And oh, I quite gosh. often dream, dream about them. Yeah. Gosh, very good. Well, before we, um, oh, Kathy, I haven't asked you. When did you last send a postcard? Oh, I do. I send them quite a lot. I love postcards. Good work. And actually, I good really work. like. I like post. I like old-fashioned communication. I like analog communication. I like handwriting. Yeah. Um, and the thing I did recently, uh, as a present to myself, I was at an antique fair and I bought um, a writing box. You know, oh, so a wooden, yeah, like a slope a wooden. Thing. Yes, but it's more um, what I've been after for ages since seeing them in various museums. You know, Jane Austen had one and the Bronte. There's one in Howard the Brontes had was a a writing soap. And that would be like a sort of a flat rectangle. This is more of a a box shape. It's kind of the shape of a shoebox. So you lift up the lid and then you open out a writing soap. And then it's got lots of little compartments to put your stationery in. And I absolutely love it. And I'm going to use it so i've stashed it up with some nice stationery and um yeah i find there's something really pleasurable in the giving and receiving of post yes so just i want to i'm interested in this box so you're going to use that for writing correspondence not for writing a book no i don't think so i mean i do also have an idea i quite like to write a historical novel and when i do i'm definitely (laughs) keen on the idea of trying to write it Possibly, you know, again, like possibly, certainly handwrite, you know, so if I was writing something that someone was, say I was writing something that was a character writing something in, say, 1938. Yes. So to not do that on a computer, to handwrite it. But I can imagine myself getting quite into this. So not only (laughs) that, but then also like make sure the pen I was using would have been around in 1938 and used by the sort of person 
writing oh this goodness. and the right notepad and so i could oh, I, I can i can see go. costumes coming up now as well it's getting a bit out of hand yeah. <laughs> and i'd really like to um again i don't do any of this I'm, I'm never convinced whether this is a creative urge i should follow or just sort of some kind of insane procrastination i'd really like to sort of fit out a room in my house with only you know things that were only from the period that i was writing in what i'd really love to do is go and live in a house with a big history and then write the history yes. of the house whilst living in it um oh. but you know <laughs> yeah. my house i think was built in 1930 so i have worked out that yes. if i write my second world war novel i could imagine um i could imagine the people in this house yes i, th I mean there are people who live in houses from the 30s for example and manage to to, to, to furnish it with only pure 1930s stuff and I think that's a very attractive idea I just don't think it's very real I mean I want to watch the television and I want I, I need wi-fi <laughs> and you know but I can, I yeah can I mean I appeal. find that very I yeah I do I find that very attractive so um it's also the, a shortcut you know, the for the imagination thing. isn't it if it's if it's all in front of you <laughs> it's sort of half, half yeah I mean I do I think things, for me, objects are very transformative. Um, so definitely I'd kind of almost be, if I could sit myself at a desk in, you know, if I wanted to write something set in, say, 1938, if I could sit at the desk with the pen and the notepad, I'd just have to shut my eyes and I'd be there. It would make quite a big difference, I think. Yeah, one one would hope. One hopes, yeah. <laughs> but it's a strategy. Or maybe then, it's a strategy. I'd, I'd, still, I'd still just be staring out the window thinking of other things. <laughs> yeah. Before we see and hear about the cards that Cathy and Toby have brought along, um, a quick one of mine. So this is a postcard from the past card like I do on Twitter uh, or in my book. Um, it's an old card from which um, I've sort of selected the message on the back. Now, this is... Um, I should tell the, the listeners that both... Um, uh, Kathy and Toby have got sheets in front of them with uh, all the pictured cards on them, so it's, it's, it's as if we're in the same room. So this is a card from Beer. Beer in Devon? Is Beer in Devon? I think it is. The postmark is from Dorset, but I think Beer might be in Devon. If I'm wrong, someone will tell me. It's got a rather nice deckle edge, you know, when the edge is all sort of um, not straight. And the, 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 the most distinguishing feature of this card on the front are two kittens um, with a, um, a red bow and a yellow bow around the neck, looking straight at the camera. Um, and these particular kittens, this particular photograph, appears on, I would suggest, certainly hundreds of different postcards, possibly thousands. They may well be the most um, reproduced cats um, in British history. I don't know if that's something they aspired to, but it's somewhere they ended up. And this card was sent in 1977, August, from Lyme Regis, actually, and it's sent to a place called Ash near Aldershot in Hampshire. Um, and oh, there was just one turn of phrase in here that, that appealed to me. Um, I, I won't read the whole thing because it's fairly uh, schematic, a lot of it. But he says, um, we have used up the suntan lotion I bought and are all sunburned. It didn't do a lot of good. <laughs> George bought a Dingy for the kids. He's actually spelled, spelled it dingy, ironically. But well, George bought a dingy for the kids. Uh, haven't been able to keep them out yet. So I suppose the kids are loving it. And then it says, The seawater is so clear around here, it's as clear as tap water. And I just thought that was a really beautiful way of expressing it. 
It's, I don't know. Is it, is it a cli- I don't think that's a cliche. I think that's a sort of new phrase they've coined. The seawater is as clear as tap water. I think that's really pretty. That's rather nice, isn't it? I mean, I'm really interested in the sun cream because I can't work out. Are they saying we used up our sun cream and therefore got sunburned? Or are they saying <laughs> we used up the sun cream, but it wasn't much good because we were getting sunburned anyway, so then we didn't bother getting any more? I don't know. <laughs> well, it sounds like the typical, the typical sort of British approach to using sun cream, isn't it? You put it on after being in the sun. Maybe. Sort of come out and then, then wonder why you're absolutely lobstered and, lobstered and peeling the next day. But one thing I've observed in, in cards, I mean, I, I do look at far too many postcards, and until about 1980, as far as I can see, the phrase sunburnt and the phrase suntanned were completely interchangeable. People didn't seem to distinguish between the two. Now we're very aware, I mean, even getting sunburnt, a suntanned might not be a terribly good idea if you have pale skin. But it was, it's great, I'm hoping to get sunburnt. I thought, if you've ever been sunburnt, you don't want to get sunburnt, it's not nice. But they just Do you use... know, I think, going out on a limb, because I might be wrong, I think that this has always puzzled me about Private Lives by Noel Coward. I think, they're t- she says, I want to get a sunburn. And the point isn't about whether or not she gets burnt. It's the point that one 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 lot of them, it's about these two couples. One couple thinks yes. it's really common and vulgar to, uh, yes, yes, yes. to want to sunbathe and the others don't. But I'm sure she uses the word sunburn and it's always puzzled me. And now I will know, thanks to this, that it's just because it was common usage and it just yeah. meant to be tanned, I guess. So what do Ex- people say? I wonder if... Except you think Noel Coward would get it wrong. He got things right on the whole. I mean... Yes, yeah, so that's what I mean. It must have just been the way people... It must have been what people said it. Oh, tomorrow I'm yeah. going to go out and get a lovely sunburn. Yes. Is, a, is that the phrase? It must be, <laughs> I guess. And then it's at, at, over the time it morphed and burnt meant to be damaged and tanned meant to have done it successfully. Yeah. Well, I think you're right. And I, I think... Mm. I think Yeah. Well, maybe I didn't know that was in private lives. How funny. But, yeah. OK, well, we've both cleared up and created a new mystery, which is probably... <laughs> That's the best you can hope for from a postcard. I'll do another quick one. This is um, uh, this is New Forest Donkeys. You, you know, you've heard of the New Forest Ponies. Well, they're old hat now. In um, in nineteen October nineteen sixty six, it was all about the New Forest Donkeys, um, and it's it's almost an action shot. I'm sure the donkey in the background, the larger of the two donkeys, for those watching at home, um, it's slightly blurry. I think I think it's sort of been caught on the hoof. And they couldn't be bothered to get another shot. But anyway, this, it's, it's a rather nice stamp on it. This one, it's um, got the World Cup stamp, 1966, um, though it doesn't have the overprint England winners that I know stamp collectors like. Um, even though there was time for it to be there because it was October by then. Um, the card was sent to Loughton in Essex, and it was sent um, from Lymington in Hampshire, so really near the uh, the New Forest. Uh, and again, it's just. It's just a phrase or two that appealed to me, really. Um, it says, Dear Roger and Jackie. This is from Mum and Dad. Kiss, 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 kiss. Dear Roger and Jackie, I hope you're getting along OK. There you are, siblings. Um, the weather is more sunny today. We've been to Barton, I think. Uh, not sitting by the beach at Milford. Went fishing yesterday, still enjoying good food. Quite happy here would like more sun, so they don't have the same problem as the other people. Hope you haven't got too wet. If so, hope you change clothes, especially socks. Don't forget homework. (laughs) Look after Patch. Look after yourselves. 
See you soon. Cheerio. Love from mum and dad. Kiss, 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 kiss. I just like that line about if they get wet, make sure you change your socks. I mean, I don't know. Parenting at a distance. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's the least of it. But also, (laughs) you know, wet socks are really uncomfortable. They're going to change their socks. Don't worry. Don't worry. Average children, I used to be sent camping into the middle of nowhere by my parents uh, on a regular basis for about 10 years. And, and uh, you know, two weeks in the same pair of socks, you could clear a railway carriage quite easily. And it never wet, even wet, occurred or, to me. wet or dry? Wet, wet dry, whatever. And basically, if they're <laughs> attached, they're working. Um, but I, so, yes, I, I think the prompt to change your socks is not actually, uh, you know, it's, a, it's, it's good, probably good advice. I'd definitely take that one. Very good. Well, look, I should remind everyone listening to this that uh, images of these cards, the blurry donkey, the huge cats, um, and the cards we're going to see later, are all on the blog, postcardfromthepast.co.uk. So you can see that I haven't just had a sort of uh, fit of imagination and and made these up. Now, uh, Cathy and Toby, you've been kind enough to do some homework, prepare for the show today and dig out some cards. Um, Toby, we we mentioned before, you've We've got this particular cache of cards, a collection of cards that has come to you uh, through the family. Um, tell us a bit about what these cards are and um, and how they've come to you. Uh, well, they originally were sent to my father from my grandfather, Max. And um, obviously, if you have the image in front of you, you'll find Max Hirschant is the, uh, the sender, who is my grandfather, um, born in Essen and um, from a very established uh, Jewish um, banking family. Very successful, um, had a coat of arms, you know, an, uh, an official coat of arms, very much part of society up until, obviously, the early 1930s. Um, my father was put on the kinder transport right. in 1939, and the first card uh, which I gave to you, because I, um, the one I'm looking at is dated the 7th of May, now, my father arrived in Harwich on um, the 9th of May. Um, and Gosh. it meant that this must have been, uh, by, you know, after he's been transit. And it, it must have been sent almost immediately by him. But if you look at the the card itself, it actually is already coming from the protection, protectorate of Shrejenstadt in, in the Czech Republic. Um, so the card was waiting now, for these, him when he got to England. Is that is that what you're saying? Almost, it's, it it's, it implies it. It's quite an Gosh. interesting document in t- just in in terms of what's stuck on it, stamped on it. Yes. It's got the yes. old um, the old uh, president on the the front of it, and the, there's the second one, which is dated much later, which I sent in, is is has sort of Hitler as the stamp. Yes. Um, but to get to England, uh, he had to be sponsored, and he was sponsored. Um, by the Quakers to come over here, and he initially was put into a, um, a sort of a holding school, I think yes. they called it, and and then got a place in a, a boarding school, and uh, as quickly as possible sort of lost his German accent. And these cards kept arriving until 1944. Um, and because Theresienstadt, uh, if the, the benefit of people who, who might have heard of it, was the sort of model concentration camp. It didn't start off being a, a concentration camp. It was sort of considered to be a sort of an under, a place to keep the undesirables. Um, and it gradually became this sort of um, model place where the Nazis would uh, use it to show off to the Red Cross and to anyone who would wanted to pay attention to it, um, how well they were treating um, the inmates. 
Um, and so you had this sort of supremely sinister agenda. It was it was it was both a prison camp, but also pretending that it wasn't. Is, it, is that right? Yes. Um, I mean, there's this fascinating bit of film that I came across, um, which is this 15-minute film that was shot to appease the Red Cross in, I think it was 1944. Um, and it shows how happy all these people are, you know, to, taking part in sports and theatre and music and happy, happily working. And uh, so As late as that, the, the, the illusion was yeah. being kept maintained. Yes, because the, the Red Cross wanted to go in and uh, right. see what was going on. And so they this accepted was a specific the, the film. Yes, it was a very specific thing to do. And then shortly after, the, all, the, all the people virtually that you might see in this film um, were shipped off and they were gone. Um, my father died, I think, um, sorry, my grandfather died on the 9th of June, just after D-Day, 1944, um, and never got to see... You know, uh, wouldn't wouldn't have probably been aware even uh, that the Allies had actually landed because there's no, I can't imagine there's any way that the information would ever have got back to them. No, no. But uh, he was sending these sort of funny little cards, sometimes nine. I, I dated them. There are you know hundreds of them, wow. um, and he, sometimes nine of them would arrive with the same date. So oh, okay. it was obviously a way of 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 my grandfather staying in touch with his son and i and i and i it, i didn't i wasn't aware of their existence until relatively recently um when my uh, uh stepmother just was just sort of said would you like to sort of take care of them because you know I'm, I'm sort of just to keep make sure they're kept safe and i and in it came these two boxes of full of documents that my oh. father had kept safe for all of his life so um, what sort of what sort and, of messages were being sent it was very banal because um, obviously there were been censors reading all of their cards. There are a few that are handwritten, but most of them are typed, very closely typed. So if you can imagine a standard size postcard, and if you can see the image, you'll see that it's typed very, very densely. Um, and sometimes it would be typed on both sides. Right. And talking about sort of general, you know, Mr. and Mrs. and their daughter, and do you remember your cousin from? And it was it's very light and very, very unimportant in themselves the actual information but it's it's largely because they couldn't talk about anything because sure. either it would have just ended up in the bin or very very likely and i know it does sound like it's a sort of you know being over dramatic but they probably would have just been taken off and got rid of because you know there was any transgression and this was a way of sort of keeping the lid on what was going on by making it sound like everyone's sort of everyone's satisfied everyone's i mean treated well Goodness me! So it's, so it's, it's almost an exercise in, in in reading between the lines, I suppose. Absolutely, uh, it's it's not. I mean, I I haven't had long enough with them. Um, if I'm honest, I've only had them a couple of months. Sure. And it's high. It's a high old German, you know, pre-war, effectively Victorian German, right. because that's how old you know we're, we're talking about. My my father, uh, my mother was quite late. Uh, when they had me, they were forty-two. Because they both my father served in the British Army in Burma and then in, in separation, partitioning, sorry. And my mother was in the Rend. And so they didn't sort of get round to having children until, you know, well into the 1960s um, and it, because of what had happened to them. And so the, this, the span I find absolutely fascinating. That I go back to my father and then you take one step back and all of a sudden you're into the Victorians. Yes. And, I've, and it, so it's... But, it, but it's, it's a supremely 20th century story. Absolutely, absolutely, and, and I, I, I feel very lucky to have them. I feel incredibly um, lucky to have this connection with a person that I never met, 
who who had been dead for decades before, you know, and then all of a sudden these little bits of their life deposit themselves in front of you on bits of card. It's quite an extraordinary uh, moment when I sort of lifted the the box. Obviously, I knew other people handled it. It wasn't wasn't sort of that precious, but it was just to sort of pick up something that not only my father had handled, but my grandfather had handled, and the Nazis had handled. You know, people would have been handling these things. And reading and and signing it off. Yes, absolutely. They're all stamped. They have the swastika, they have the peanut, the eagle on it. Um, And it's an extraordinary thing. To, to sort of have that, um, which which an awful lot of people don't even have when their families haven't had this going on around. You know, if, if you, if a lot of people do have extraordinary stories about how they, you know, how their families get to where they are. But the, the the disjointed nature of that side of my personal history, I find it extraordinary that these things have have stayed safe, and that knowing that my father kept them safe. Imbibes them with this incredible emotional um, value to yes. me. Yeah, well, um, they are and currently they're residing with it, aren't they? I mean, there is so yeah. much. And currently they're residing with my brother in London because right. he's having his turn at looking at them. But uh, luckily, I was able to sort of. And have you had um, much translated yet, or is this part? I mean, I'm, I'm actually I'm, I'm very flattered that we're here at the beginning of this process, and that you're going to find out more over the coming months and years. At no the doubt, moment, but... uh, no, we're at the, we're at the beginning of the process. It's it it. But it very much is uh, covering very sort of simple goings on because they weren't allowed to give away anything about what was going on. Of course. They weren't allowed to talk about um, their feelings or their fears. So it basically cut, sort of boiled down to the sort of the minutiae of daily look, on this one, it looks like they've been activity playing, within the family. Playing Monopoly. Monopoly spiel. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's all sorts of, yes. It jumps out, doesn't it? Dice and, yes. Um, I suppose as well. Thinking about, uh, I suppose as well, because he was writing to his son, even if there would have been a certain amount of self-censoring going on, wouldn't they? You know, so if I was in that situation Definitely. writing to my son, I would be saying, we're playing Monopoly and having a lovely time, yes. because I wouldn't want to worry about him, and I'd be valuing the contact. Do you know if your father tried to write back? Um, I'm not aware that he was, no. I don't think there was any way that the information was getting back out. I mean, the, the interesting, the the, the 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 kisses from your grandfather. And um, uh, Kiki was my um, was my aunt, so my, my father's elder sister, who who was 18. He was 13 when he got out, so he was born in 1925. And um, uh, so that, that, that little scribbled-on extra... Yes, I, yes. I, you know, just that sudden thought of, oh, don't forget your sister. And she was, was, in, was in Britain as well, was she? She was. She'd come over. She she basically left Germany a bit earlier in 1938 and had right. sort of got a job as a, as a housemaid in London and then finally ended up in America, in Tucson, Arizona, uh, and married and lived there uh, sort of quietly and would occasionally um, come over and the, the subject of my second card actually relates to her as well where she would come over from america right to sort of you know early 70s britain and, and oh, all we, the yes, big deals we're going to get to that yes you know but that that, that was sort of so she we did see her occasionally but um i didn't know until very recently when my uh, grandfather put my father on the train in essence to send him away that they were under strict instructions by the police um that they weren't allowed to wave, they weren't allowed to cry, they weren't allowed to to show any emotion as they sent off. And it's interesting reading my father's autobiography, sort of reading it from the other side, 
is that he felt like, you know, my father was sending me away and, you know, didn't show any emotion. What, what a what a what a unpleasant, you know, sod. And of course, the flip side of it was that he wasn't allowed to show any emotion because no. he'd been taken around the stay back of the station and probably shot. I remember at the end of my father's life, um, he died in 2015, just old, old age. He managed to get to 80, 89, which I think all things considered was incredible. Um, but it's just died at uh, you know, natural causes and at home. And, you know, um, but how, um, how, how it affected him and, um, and how he couldn't, Max, my grandfather, couldn't believe what the state was doing to them. They, they, he couldn't bring himself to leave. He never thought it would get to the point where it got to. He always believed that they'd see sense. And, uh, he'd fought in the German army in the First World War. He was, a, you know, a, he fought for his country. He was a patriot. And yet, you know, 30 years later, um, this, this, this happened. And, uh, it, it, and he thought he was doing the best by getting his children out. But equally, he couldn't bring himself to leave because he, he, well, just, he just didn't think that would happen. It is, it is a fantastic cache. I mean, horrific events, but I just such a kind of um, a wonderful thing to have these to have these cards still. I'm sure you're going to uncover and reveal so much knowledge about your grandfather and his relationship with your father over time as you go through these. Thank you. Thank you so much yes. for sharing them. I mean, it, 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 you know, oh, it's serious you. stuff. And normally I'm dealing with trivial cats and things. But there's something about these bits <laughs> of cardboard because you can infuse them with emotion and meaning. And that's strange, isn't it? I, I, think, I think the other thing is they're so ephemeral that in, in, it's been so easy for them to have been lost and to not yes. even... Well, to, there, there might have been historical, do, do you remember those cards sort of conversation. But the, 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 it's, it's the fact that they've survived all this time and that they will then now that there's virtually nobody left. I mean, there's literally a handful of, of survivors and who are well, who are children now. I mean, the, the all the people who are adults are gone, and yeah. uh, and I do very much. I'm sort of beginning to feel that it's my duty yeah. to, to to continue this sort of awareness, and and which was why I sort of uh, was very happy to 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 be part of this, almost to keep the conversation going because. Yes. Uh, one of the things I used to do it when I was teaching was, was, was working with the older children uh, around Holocaust Memorial Day, right. and just teaching just at, at a, a year six—that's sort of, you know eleven-year-old level—reminding um, them and teaching them of what happened because it's just gone. It's it's mm -hmm. it's almost completely gone. Uh, I w attended the uh, memorial to the Kinder Transport at the uh, Quaker house in Euston Road in London um, I oh, think yes. it was 2018 and uh, I went there uh, uh, invited you know by the organization Safe Passage UK who uh, was established by Half Dubs Lord Half Dubs yes, um, to try and help refugee children and how few people stood up uh, there, there was sort of you know there was that sort of you know can you stand up if you're a you've been helped or if you're a children of and then can you stand up and it was you know a dozen people stood up, whereas five years ago it would have been fifty. And yes. you know, in five years' time, there'll be nobody standing up. And you do reach that point where the tide of current politics—you feel you need to make a stand, and you need to to keep reminding people of where things can go. And, it, and what's been happening recently around us, I think, it shows how much that is is very much needed. 
Well, I think you're doing a good job of, of keeping these stories going, which is important. It's very important. Thank, thank you. Thank you for sharing those cards. And good luck with the thank whole you. archive. I think it's going to be absolutely fascinating. So we're going to have thank a change you. of tone. <laughs> this is what happens when you have programmes <laughs> like this. So, Cathy, what's the mm -hmm. first card that we've got from you? What's, on, what's landed on your doormat? Well, I um, was wondering what to uh, what to do, and I was looking to. It sort of inspired me to look through my grandmother's scrapbooks, oh. um, and uh, so my grandmother died when I was twelve. Um, but because I was a keen writer from a very young age, there's quite a lot of correspondence, right. um, and she kept scrapbooks. So it's all in the scrapbooks, yes. and the scrapbooks themselves are completely. Oh, they're, they're very, oh, I don't know, moving in. You know, she didn't do a lot. A lot of what's in the scrapbooks is, uh, so she's put in all the gift tags of Christmas <laughs> presents. Brilliant. Um, she's put in, when my grandfather died a couple of years before, she. I mean, they were both they were both quite young. She was 59 when she died. Goodness um, me. And he died a couple of years before her, and so she'd uh, in the scrapbook she'd put she'd obviously put in the wedding anniversary cards, and then she'd added on like our last wedding anniversary, um, and it's mainly about her grandchildren. And um, but what I found really interesting was, of course, I didn't want to I didn't want to destroy the scrapbooks, but she stuck no, no. all the postcards in with the text down. Yeah, of course. So yeah, it's just was... it's just pictures of you know Jersey or whatever. Yes. And I because I much I really want to write what's on the other side. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but one of them fell out as I was looking, and I oh, thought good. the glue gave way. So, yeah, so this is the one. So this is the one, and it's as you if you look at the thing, you can see that the pink colouring on it. That's oh. the bits of my granny's scrapbook where yeah, it's yeah. detached itself. There's something about so the paper is... on those scrapbooks, isn't it? A particular. Weird, heavy paper, sort of granular yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah, and it's that coloured pink, and then it's also this sort of like funny green colour yeah. and a funny brown colour, yeah. uh, a bit of funny yellow. Um, and you don't so see that anywhere else. It's just, it's sort of a, a palette scrapbook of scrapbook colour. Maybe, maybe that's yeah. what Farrow and Ball should be bringing out next. <laughs> the scrapbook range. It would it would sell so many to people of a certain age. Yeah. So and anyway, then this is my sorry <laughs> my postcard from a trip to London. Um, uh, I remember going on this trip to London from Yorkshire in a coach, and it's the, the postcard is the inspection of the yeoman warders at the Tower of London. And then um, I, like, I said, "Our dear Granny, arrived safely at London. It is lovely weather. Went to Wembley. It was fascinating. Going to London Zoo now. Just had dinner, a packed lunch. <laughs> <laughs> it is stifling on the coach. Lots of love, Kathy. P.S. Hope you like the postcard. Uh... Um, but I also like. It. I was amused by the way. I remember really liking my signature in joined up writing. Uh, and there's a loop on the C and another yeah. one on the T and the H. And but I do, do remember it, do practicing that. Yeah, goes into it, obviously. <laughs> and it looks like the PS was only added, so I had the opportunity to practice my signature again. I hope so when you do I book signings, it's quite... as neat as that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a scribble, actually. But I thought it was quite, I don't know, there's something quite sweet about it. And I do often How old feel... were you? I think I was, it's 1984 and I was born in 73, so I would have been 11. Um, oh, okay. And I, re I really, you know, I remember my, I mark my grandparents dying really with the, with really having proper memories from childhood in a way, or proper memories about sort of grown up things during childhood. You know, that's how I remember things often. I sort of date things from my grandfather's death and then my grandmother's death. But obviously I was very lucky to have them, I think, even for that time.
Do you remember the trip to London? Yes, I remember it quite distinctly. Um, I remember we also went to see Singing in the Rain with Roy Castle and Tommy Steele. Bloody hell, I bet they were good. They were. It was amazing. And I wanted to be an actress then because, of course, <laughs> you know, and for years, whenever I went to see a musical, I wanted to be an actor in musical theatre because I thought it was so exciting. Yeah, um, yeah. And, yeah, so I remember it. And this So you stayed the over then, did you, for this trip? Yeah, we stayed in a little hotel in, I think, Battersea. Oh, right. Um, and, it, yeah, it was very exciting. And a packed lunch on the train. Goodness and, uh, me. it was very nice. And and when you say it is stifling on the coach, I can feel that from school trips in those coaches. It used to get really hot. Yes, it's it's very strange, isn't it? Um, and the stamp is sixteen pence. <laughs> so that was I did. I showed it to my son, and he was very interested in the, the fact that it only cost sixteen pence then. Um, but of course, for everybody, I'm sure that everyone else sent post postcards to their grannies from the i mean i remember quite a lot of the trip was about buying postcards and sending them <laughs> so in a way now i mean we laugh now don't we about people instagramming their lunch but i think yeah. it's the same urge really isn't it totally and i remember totally. oh because we also went to harrods and again we all bought postcards of harrods and then sent them somewhere <laughs> this is me yeah. in harrods it's nice i've used all my sun cream <laughs> change your socks if they get wet <laughs> and what else are you going to spend buying harrods you can't buy anything else it's too expensive I think, actually, I do remember that. We were all trying to work out what we could buy because everybody wanted something green and yeah, gold. Yeah. And, of course, every, if you bought something, you got a carry bag. So we all wanted a carry bag. So the big right. thing was trying to work out. I think they had rulers and pencils and stuff. And you would try and work out what was the cheapest thing you could buy so that you could get a bag out of it. <laughs> I imagine the Harrods staff all said they want the school kids in and out as quick as possible. Well, of course, years later, I did. I worked in the book department, Harrods, and was on the receiving end of the school trips. And they used to think they were quite sweet. And it used to remind me of, you know, you'd see them all trooping through. They were never interested in the book department. They were just en route to the pet shop. Um, oh. But they, but yeah. They I don't think I've ever or... been to the pet shop. Is it? Is it amazing? Didn't they used to have lions and things in there? Have I got yes. That well, it's, yes. No, no, you're absolutely right. They used to, in the 50s, have lions. But, of course, now <laughs> they're subject to pet shop rules, so they don't. But when I was working... Typical, there, typical. Ne yeah, next to the pet shop. And people would come in and say, like, I want to buy a lion. And of course, it wasn't. It wasn't our job to say. Got I'm salmon rusty. Will that do? Yeah. So you just you just send them along to the pet shop and sort of slightly wish you could eavesdrop on the ensuing, uh, yeah. the ensuing conversation, and 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 we'll work out the way in which they were let down gently that they couldn't buy the couldn't buy the pet they were after. And people would get very, because you know a lot of the people that shops in Harrods were rich and wanted what they wanted. They wanted it immediately, so they would get really cross that they couldn't really? just come in and get a puppy and take it home because, of course, yeah. there's checks and laws. Yeah. Yeah, um, and they would say, like, too. I expect better of Harrods and sort of bang the, bang the desk. It's very clever if you create a shop that has this reputation for being, you know, where you can get anything at all. Because, yes. of course, it's not true, but it's a brilliant <laughs> reputation to have. <laughs> the card amuses me because it's Colour Master, who are sort of absolutely bog-standard publisher who, who produced thousands and thousands and thousands of images. But there's a rather sort of 80s way of taking the image and putting this weird vignette on it so that it sort of sits within a white border. And then around that, a sort of fake Edwardian inked border as well. It's a, mm -hmm. it, you wouldn't have seen that before about, well, 1981, I wouldn't have thought, that oh, particular yeah. style. <laughs> but, um, you didn't get to see the inspection of the Yeoman Warders then? No, I don't think so. Um, and I think I've just picked a, a, a generic London card out of a London cards display. Um, 
so it's um, I mean probably it was quite likely that I would have chosen a historical one because I knew that you know I liked history and I knew my granny did as well so that probably is significant like I wouldn't I didn't think oh, I'll wait until we go to the zoo so I can send her a lion because I knew she'd rather have something about the Something a bit. She was yes. really. She was madly keen on the royal family as well. Ah, well, beef eaters um, are halfway there, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. So she got lots of. Um, yeah, my mum and her siblings have slightly royal names, which I don't think any of them really like. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, and my granny was born the same year as the Queen, so I'm always a little bit interested in the Queen because, yeah. of course, she's the. Uh, you know, she was born the same year, so she's yeah, the. Yeah, age. Yeah. And they look alike in. Um, you know, in, the, in photos of my granny when she was a girl, she looks yes. like the Queen. In those, Goodness. you know, those pictures when she was ambulance driving during the Second World War, they could be the same woman. So mm. I'm always a bit interested in looking at the Queen and thinking, like that would be what my granny would look like if she'd obviously had quite a lot better healthcare. Um, yeah, like the Queen has. <laughs> yes, and kind of, she'd have had survived. So I always feel quite interested in uh, that she's that she's sort of like giving me this alternate history for my granny. Wow, parallel lives. Now, one last question about this card. I don't want to bleed it dry. The last question, <laughs> are you going to stick it back in? Well, that is a very good question. I definitely want to have a longer look at the scrapbooks, um, and I think I probably will stick it back in, and I think I'm going to resist temptation. I would like to read the other postcards in it, but I think maybe I'm going to resist temptation and just leave maybe it Maybe shake it, down. just to see if any others want oh, to Oh, try out. and shake something else loose, Rather yes. than, don't get the razor blade out, that's bad, but maybe just shake yeah. it a little bit, I don't know. Yeah, it's quite fun, isn't it? I quite like the fact that the, that this was just the one that was gifted to me by the scrapbooks. You Definitely. know, like maybe, maybe one of the others is much more interesting, but yeah, this is yeah, the one yeah. that fell out. So this is what we're having. No, I think that there's and, and you know, there is something a bit fortune telling about postcards. I always think because I, I put my hand in the big box of thousands of cards and pick one out and look at it. It feels like I'm doing some strange Oriental oh. fortune telling thing. You know, chance. Yeah. I think chance plays a part in it so good yeah. well thank you thank you for that one um one more quick uh quick one from me now this is uh a picture of hey tor on dartmoor i don't know if that's normally spelt with two words on this it's one word hey tor um mm. actually a rather pretty card brown and green with a blue fluffy clouds a blue sky with fluffy clouds and a, one man walking towards the tor um <laughs> it could be the beginning or the end of a murder story i think this one but i don't know um, I can't wait to have the bear patch leading up the top of it. It's one of those sort of like great big designs. It almost looks like a an animal running down. Yes, yes. With yes, an eye yes, and yeah, the tail. this tail arcing up. And yeah, that you could only only not, really see from the not. sky. Absolutely. Yeah, or well, nowadays a, a drone. <laughs> oh, very good. Well, this, this card, in, in fact, is um, was sent to Rotherham in Yorkshire um, to Mr and Mrs Barraclough, actually. And it was sent from Newton Abbott. And I think it's 1962, if I've read that correctly. Um, and your son would be shocked to know that it was two and a half old pence for the stamps. Mm. So, you know, mm. that's, that's even too much to take in, that much. Um, <laughs> and it says... Um, oh, it's just one little phrase that appealed to me, really. It says, time is flying by here. It won't be long before I'm home. I'm afraid I'm going to find typing dreadfully boring when I get back. <laughs> And I thought, well, yes, yes, going back to work is a right pain in the neck sometimes. But um, yes, the post-holiday blues. Yeah, and she's and, and mm. sadly, like most of us, she's anti anticipating it before she's gone back, which is a horrible feeling on yes. that last few days. You try to keep the fun going, and it just oh, I'm going back soon. 
Yeah, maybe she didn't go back. Maybe she rebelled, there and ma- maybe all the brooding she did made her think, <laughs> you know what? No more typing for me. I'm going to yeah. carry on up this tour. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing, of course, typing isn't really a job now. Um, it's what we no. will do. You know, typing. You type for yourself. You don't really have typists. You might have people who sort of correct the odd thing, but you don't really have typists. Um, you have admin assistants instead. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. You're listening to Podcasts from the Past, the Postcard Podcasts, and today my guests are Toby Hannam and Kathy Renson-Brink. Now, here's a surprise. We've received a postcard, and it's a postcard of um, a number, a large number, in fact, I would say in double figures, of Welsh girls in national costume. And, and helpfully, the, the caption on the front says, Welsh girls in national costume. And the postcard is from Mrs R Hollis of Merseyside, and she says, the answer is Bruce Forsyth and Bob Monkhouse. Well, I'm sorry, Mrs Hollis, that's <laughs> the wrong answer. Right, on with the postcard stories. Toby, we're moving much more into modern times, I think, but connected. Um, what's the second card you've got for us? Uh, the second card is the uh, Tutankhamun Death Mask from the 1974 uh, exhibition at the British Museum. Ah, um, one of the first blockbuster exhibitions, isn't it? Yes, I mean, I, I was very lucky in that, uh, to be taken up to see it, and I have very distinct memories of. Um, I would have been uh, well, seventy-four, seven at the time, uh, queuing outside the along the railings. Um, I mean, it's it's and then going inside and and actually sort of being literally sort of nose pressed up against the glass, and uh, that one they actually did actually have his. Uh, the, the mummy, the, his body on display, uh, which wow. was obviously still acceptable at the time to to be able to do that, and it was I, I was literally eye height <laughs> with, with the body. So did you like Egyptian things? Was this of an interest to you, or did you oh, develop I, your interest I, at, the, yes, at the exhibition? I was absolutely, it, it wasn't. I think I was fascinated before. I think it was. I think there'd been a huge amount of it in the press. Yes, yes, and uh, it was, and so it was the sort of the, the must see thing. I think I don't know if that 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 
whatever was at the cinema. But um, it was it was it was an incredible experience to get so close to these objects, which you can now, if you fly, you'd have to take yourself to, obviously to the Cairo Museum. Mm to get uh, anywhere near them. And it was just such a, an overwhelming um, experience because of the, the beauty of it. And I think as a, as a young child, it, it was just the, the, the objects themselves, the, the oddness and the, the opulence was, was amazing. And I think it, it, it sort of, it's definitely had an effect on me. I, I still have a very strong interest in history um, which you know, I think I think this really ignited. Well, that and dinosaurs. I mean, what else are you going to be? You know, you're a, you're a boy in the 1970s. It's that and Buck Rogers. It's not. There's not a huge amount of choice, but this definitely stuck with me. And uh, the other reason I chose this um, was because uh, it was one of the times my aunt came over to visit, and so is, we is this Kiki? went up. This is right. So, yes, Margot, who was also the pet name of Kiki. Uh, took us, um, and uh, uh, I remember my father being there. Um, and it it was she'd come over every two or three years, and and obviously you know, she'd stay in somewhere in London, and we went up to see her, and it was it was just an amazing event. Um, and I, it's only now you sort of realise how lucky you were to be exposed to this sort of event because they just will not happen. And I know there was another exhibition relatively recently, a few years ago now. But the actual what they were able to to bring over was was such a small representative sample of, of what what would have been there, um, and it it I, it was just I think it it was seeing another culture that you that you really have no connection with other than you know the objects that are in front of you, and being overawed by it. And I still am. I still look at this and I still find the same level of awe and excitement looking at these photographs, these cards, these these sort of um, items and objects, as I did when I was seven. And I think that that's an indication of how what an effect it had on me. Um, and I was also that linked in sort of, you know, seeing the, the, the family because there was very little family to see for rather you know, obvious reasons. Um, and uh, it's, it's stuck it's, it's stuck with me for many, many years. And it's always been one of those things where when I was, uh, we, would, we would teach um, young children, primary school children as part of the history curriculum, the Egyptians were something that was taught to year three, that's sort of seven-year-old children. Right. So, which I never really got my head around is that, you know, you teach one of the oldest periods of time to the youngest children who have the weakest concept of, chronology but there you go you know but there's something about the imaginative leap that does appeal to young children about about the pharaonic times i I think so i i think so i i I think there is that you can the wowing them with it is is one thing um and certainly that i i it it led me to sort of i think hopefully pass on that excitement and enthusiasm to the children who were in my class and i was teaching i don't think you needed to be exposed to the the exhibition to be able to do that but it certainly I, I found having that sort of link back to my own personal experience to, to be able to then uh, to share that with the children, because otherwise there is that danger that history is always just, you know, it's just a subject. And I think when you can personalise this and when you can actually uh, add that sort of anecdotal quality to what you're presenting children with, it, it, it makes a huge difference. I remember, I'm old enough to remember it happening. And I, I, mm. I do remember, it says 74, isn't it? Which That's is right. a, around that time, the colour supplements in the papers were were a big thing. Mm. They were, they were, the Observer and the Sunday Times had these colour supplements that were 
full of really sort of pioneering design and photography and, and they yeah, so and the Sunday they, Times I, I until, they went bonkers with recently, this didn't they yes, yeah I remember I, I had that for many many years I had this it literally fell to pieces and right. it dissolved the the supplement but I do I had a very strong sort of dark black background and a gold yes. mask on the front of it I think I remember the same one striking image yes I didn't go to the exhibition but I do remember this I was I mean as I say I think this probably was the first of the blockbuster exhibitions there have been many since that that were that everyone wanted to go to, and in fact, non museum goers wanted to go to it. It reached a, an audience yes. that sort of broke barriers. As I suppose it's what, it's what you always want in any artistic endeavour. You want to, to reach the people who perhaps it wouldn't normally reach, but it, it really caught the country's imagination. Perhaps for the but first I, I time since the twenties, I suppose. Yes, I mean, I think the interesting thing is is, is, is to sort of to, to put it that the, the exhibition in the context of how long. Um, sort of Britain has been a sort of like he has been presented with this idea, this this or this exciting idea of, of ancient Egypt. Well, you know, we're right back into the 19th century when they started sort of hauling stuff back, um, and and it was sort of almost the pinnacle of that. It was that finally we've got our hands on the actual goods, even though we have to hand them back. Um, but I, th- I think it really was that sort of that the, the highest. Uh, sort of form of that sort of presentation, that sort of you know, really sort of dolloping it in front of you and come and educate yourself. Do you, Kathy, it, you know, do you have an interest yeah. in in the pharaonic Egyptian world? I do actually, and I think I mean I do think it is very interesting to a child, isn't it? The very concept of mummies, and of course I experienced it again via you know via my son, um, and I always quite enjoyed the the you know because I don't quite, I don't enjoy a lot of the schoolwork that comes home with him <laughs> but um but I love the you know doing the Egyptians was really fun we actually got this I don't know maybe when he was about seven or something we got this Playmobil um pyramid there you go. And had a lot of you know had an awful lot of fun with it and just that whole thing of uh discussing about whether or not you'd you know if your if your master dies do you get him you do you just get involved you know you get you get put in the pyramid alongside them all that sort of thing <laughs> So I do find it. Um, I do find it all very, very interesting. I can see why it's a sort of fascinating, a fascinating subject area. Yeah. Well, I I, I don't know if either of you have been, but I, I do recommend a trip to the. Uh, well, in fact, it's changed now. That the, the the National Museum in Cairo is. I think it's all moving there. All they're moving all the stuff from Tahrir Square to Giza. I think it's going to be near the pyramids now. That's right. It's a brand new. Uh, it's a huge museum. Um, the. the the thought of going anywhere on an airplane at the moment is just no. It's, not it's another world, happen, isn't it? But, um, it is, but uh, it's it's something that I would one day, if 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 it was possible, I would love to go and do it. I think also to see it actually in the right country, I think also would be a nice thing to do as well. But yes, that, that it's apparently it's it's a quite a staggering building they've put they've put up yes. to hide. Um, it it, it used to be stuff. a bit shabby the way it was kept in the museum, the old museum. Yeah, it was a, it was a British empire. Was there when, when we were, I think when, when it was um, <laughs> run by the British, I think the, 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 build, right. the original building was put up and it just all got yes. placed into that. And it was, well, the image I've seen are rather sort of stuffy and yeah. sort of archetypal sort of Edwardian sort of uh, um, mu- idea of a museum. Yeah. So yes, I quite yeah. like dusty old museums, has to be said. Well, yes, they absolutely they have their place, but I, I think I think hopefully hopefully we've moved on a little bit. Right. Well, we'll put the boy king to bed for a minute. Um, Kathy, what's the final card you've got for us? So this was sent to me by my friend Joe, and I kind of couldn't. It was interesting when I was looking for the. You know, I was very pleased to be asked on your 
podcast and I was looking I thought I'd find loads of interesting stuff and it was sort of slimmer pickings when I went to it and I was thinking you know to all that stuff Toby said about family history I do often feel I'll admit to often feeling a little bit um oh just a little bit chiseled that I don't have more of a personal family archive and cheated uh, cheated well yeah it's that whole thing about being a being a nobody the thing I tend to envy envy people for uh i don't envy people for their riches or their big houses but i think gosh it would be nice to just know what people were doing whereas none of you know my family history just doesn't there's just not much not much of it because people weren't doing that much and they weren't writing it down and if they were none of the people nobody nobody in like my direct line was keeping it so very little in the way of of any sort of documentation um but then i cheered myself up with the reflection that um because I've been reading an article about um, how uh, I thought, well, actually, it must be awful being a somebody these days. Because if you are if you are a somebody, then all your relatives were doing deeply questionable things right. and exploiting other people. So I thought, oh, well, well I see what you mean, yeah, the whole decolonising I mean? business. Yeah, so yes. I thought, well, I, I, I may be a nobody, but the the compensatory thing about that is that I don't have to feel guilty about what my ancestors were up to because yeah. they were just, I don't know, being poor and <laughs> trying to get through as to honest a living as they could. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I thought, well, I mean, you know, maybe I should stop moaning about it. And then yes, I thought yes. about how one of the things that I very much thought was evident in my postcard collections. And what I have is I call them memory boxes. So I just oh, have yeah. boxes full of stuff, not just postcards, but various things. And I did find in them an awful lot of friendship. So I chose this one. Good. So this one is from my friend Joe, and the front of it is a postcard of Carl Scholten, which is where she lives. And she, I know that she sent it to me because she, my geography is very, 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 very bad. And she, <laughs> I've been friends with her for years, but hadn't really been to her house. And she lived in a place called Carl Scholten Beaches. I know it very well. And I just, I just thought that it was Carl Scholten Beach, as in a, uh, a yellow place where you yes, use sun yes. cream. And I'd always imagined she lived next to the sea. Oh, and when I went only. there, I said something like, where's the beach? And and she said, how did you think I was living this close to London and next to the sea at the same time? I said, I don't know. I just kind of assumed that she was. So it sort of became a, a joke about my, I just, I mean, I just have really, but I just don't have a geographical sense almost at all, I don't think. So that was a joke. And then on the other side, and she did send this in an envelope, but I remember getting her in the post because she's put a badge on it, which says future author. And she says, uh-huh. saw this and thought of you. And then it says, Joe, one more mm. or another, Joe, lots of kisses. And I think Beautiful. she probably sent me this about maybe four years before I finished my first book. Wow. And I think, you know, because and that's the thing about writing. It takes a long time and a lot of people give you a lot of support along the way. Yeah. And I thought how lovely to just sort of find it and remember again. Um, yeah. I think I had it on my fridge where, where I used to live. I remember it being, um, I remember it being on my fridge uh, with a fridge magnet and I used to look at it and it used to sort of encourage me so that's why Cute. I chose that and it okay. gave me a bit of a, a laugh to remember it and to think about yeah. her because I adore her and don't see her as much as I would like Well, My, my grandmother made exactly the same confusion about Carl Shulton and Carl Shulton Beach Yeah, because I grew up maybe three miles from there uh, in, in, in the south London suburbs and um she, my grandmother once saw the word Carshalton Beaches and she said, well, I don't get it. How come there's a beach round here? So it's exactly the same <laughs> issue. Like, Hang on, we're in the suburbs. But you see that she didn't read it properly. She just, you know, in passing. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sure if she sat and thought about it, she wouldn't have got confused by it. But 
There you go. But anyway, why is it called Kosh? <laughs> I imagine it's the name that some developer in 1930 decided to call a suburb of Koshalton. You know, come and buy one of our show homes in Koshalton <laughs> beaches. You know, anywhere with a tree name in it is normally it's a piece of marketing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm glad it's not just me then. I feel uh, I feel less alone. As ever, you confess a personal failing and then you feel less alone because someone yeah. else has done the same thing. Yeah. Well, not me. It was my grandmother. It wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's fantastically prescient and positive that, that your friend gave you the badge as well. I mean, it's just, it's really sweet because it worked. Yes, it is. It's all that badge. If she hadn't given me that badge, it would never have happened. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, no no one ever knows which stepping stone was the one that got them on the whole journey, do they? But you need them all. No, I, I mean, in all seriousness, I I think that the peop- the support before anybody else likes you, if you know what I mean. I, I remember, <laughs> you know, quite a lot of people are nice to me now, which I don't get, um, I'm not um, complacent about. I'm grateful for everything. But I do have a particular sort of warm place in my heart for people that sort of believed in me when no one else did, you know? Yes, and um yes. And I think that, that there is something really sort of sweet and wholesome and lovely about that. Yes, and I think in life you can get ground down, I think we all do, by the expectation that things are difficult. That it'll be, you know, I'm doing X, but I know it's going to be a bit tough and I know I'm sort mm. of ready for knocks along mm. the way. So every bit of positivity you get, this is sounding a bit self-helpish, isn't it? But, you know, it's all good. When people are, people have faith in you, it it, it, does, it makes your heart sing. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree. Yeah. And I think people should... There's sort of an idea in writing that, you you know, because people say, like, oh, just because your friends and your parents like it doesn't mean it's any good. And that's sort of true. But, <laughs> you know, I, I just think that's a, it's pointless wasting time on... It's pointless wasting time creatively on worrying that you're rubbish. It's sort of... It, it, it's a pointless endeavour, because either you are, in which case it doesn't matter... Um, but the, the, I mean, all writers spend quite a lot of time sitting around thinking they're rubbish. So you might be quite good and just be having yeah. the writerly self-doubt thing. So um, I, I, these days, I take it where you can find it. Yeah, but also if you're, if, if you're so if you're so wrapped by self-doubt that you don't create the object you're trying to create, then you're definitely rubbish because you haven't got anything to be judged on. So well, that, I mean, that's really true. Yeah, because that's the main thing. It just stops people doing stuff, which I yeah. always think is a it's shame because it's really difficult to make anything from a place of thinking that you're rubbish Uh, you know because you put all your energy then into sort of fear management or whatever rather than just thinking oh why don't I forget about wondering whether I'm any good and just you know make this lovely thing and then see what happens yeah oh my goodness oh well thank good thank goodness so that Joe gave you the uh the, the little nudge or whatever that you needed because otherwise you wouldn't you know you wouldn't have your books so yeah, I mean, and she did loads of other things. It wasn't just the badge and the postcard. She was a fairly continual and remains to be a big support to me, as lots of friends do. So I just think the importance of friendship, I think friendship is really something that as I get older only becomes more and more important. Right. Um, and that kind of drift, I'm really interested actually in friendship in middle age. Because when you're young, like back on the school trip to London, <laughs> that era, I was quite often falling out with friends or right, you know it was like all about do. the friends yeah, yeah they were the yeah. most important people like kind Best of didn't, friends and all that yeah all of that um whereas uh, like these days i don't really ever i mean i don't really fall out with friends i just like that you know we sort of rub along very well usually just helping each other to get through whatever 
whatever the day is throwing at us. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very much, I think friendship probably becomes more and more and more about mutual support or, you know, I don't know, maybe that's just me, but I'm interested in the way it changes. Yeah, and I think postcards can help with that as well. They just keep the top spinning, don't they? Another, oh, a nice little thing. Oh, a nice thing, you know. Mm, yes. Well, thank you very much for, for sharing your Carshalton, not Carshalton Beaches card. Um, <laughs> it's very, very good to have. Now, I've said it before, I never know where the cards will send us. So I'm delighted that you both shared them with me and with each other and with the, the listeners, hopefully, who are out there, I think. Um, another quick reminder for everyone at home, images of these cards that we've discussed, um, they're all on the blog, postcardfromthepast.co.uk. I mean, I hope we've described what they're about anyway, but if you don't believe it, if you need the evidence of your own eyes, and why would you, um, you can go to the blog. Now, before I let uh, Toby and Cathy off the line, back to their, uh, the rest of their lives, I've got one more postcard for you both. Now, normally I would just hand this over to you with a bit of a flourish and feel a bit pleased with myself. But obviously today we're, we are all separated by the digits. Um, so in front of you, the last card on your sheets, you should have a, a a picture of a what I would call a dusty pink rose. I don't know if that's the right phrase. Yes. Yeah, beautiful. And um, again, I would normally ask you to hold it in your hands and let it catch the light and... But um, only I can do that today, and I'm doing it right now. So this is a, a normal-sized postcard, um, but it has a white hole in it in the middle. You can probably see the white lump, white bit cut out. Um, and this is a postcard record. So it's a, it's a, a, rec a postcard that you can play on a gramophone and oh. hear music. Um, now, young Tom at Wardour Studios if he's still there, and I think he probably is, has made a digital file of this. And if I'm very lucky and ask him nicely, we should be able to hear what the music on the postcard sounds like. Oh, lovely. <laughs> is there a date on this? There's no date. <laughs> it's, it's from Poland, and it's a normal postcard that would have cost... One Zwati 50, but then it's been stamped with the grooves of a record uh, by a special place, in, in in fact, in this case, Białystok in the, in the east, and it was then sold for 30 Zwati. So there's a good markup by stamping it into a, into, into a record. But the song, I think, if we can hear, is actually in German. Extraordinary, isn't it? <laughs> I didn't even know that such a thing existed. Is this a no, was this a common thing to record. do? I think they this there were various different versions of these. Some in Hungary, some in Italy, and this is the Polish version. And and you could buy them over here in the sixties as well. I think they were quite expensive, and they were a bit vulnerable to the vagaries of the post, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But not bad piece of recording, really, for a. Postcard. Amazing. <laughs> and in this case, this one hasn't been sent. It has been half addressed. Someone called P.D. Sudnik, but they never bothered to actually send it. Maybe they popped it in an envelope. Well, as the dusty pink rose continues to rotate at exactly 33 revolutions per minute... <laughs> That's it for this time on Podcast from the Past. 
I'd very much like to thank my first class guests for sharing the postcards from their pasts, Toby Hannam and Cathy Rensenbrink. Thank you both. Thank you very much. pleasure. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Bye for now. You can see more postcards with their messages posted every day on Twitter. Do follow me at Past Postcard. And you can buy the book, Postcard from the Past, by me, Tom Jackson, at Amazon and all good booksellers. And if you're looking for podcast production, check out wardorstudios.co.uk. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.